All right, Kay, we're back on the Patreon. Joshi 2010's journey. Yeah, running through the 2010s. Today on this episode, we have a Ice Ribbon Dojo show featured by a title match between Riho and Miyako Matsumoto. We have our first full Io Shirai match against Mio Shirai from uh, a Vader time uh, produce show. That's about have, right. Yeah, and then we have Golden Ribbon, Ice Ribbon 180. So the dates are April 3rd, April 29th, and then Golden Ribbon took place on May 3rd. So we're April and May at this point in the 2010s journey. If you're joining us on the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon, thank you for your patronage. And if you're thank joining you very us, much. yes. And if you're joining us on the Big Egg Joshi feed two weeks later, thank you as well. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Enjoy the rest of my other content if you want to be so inclined. Yes, and if you like what you hear today, we would appreciate the support. This is all out of our own pocket, trying to get a hold of these shows and uh, getting all this archival work done. And this is a fun journey, a fun learning journey. We don't pretend to be uh, 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 true historians. We're just we're just fans that want to learn about the history and get educated along the way and hopefully spread the knowledge that we learn to all you guys and get you some good goddamn wrestling matches along the way. Yeah, yeah, especially because a lot of the information from around this time is very sketch, hit, and miss. So a lot of what we say, or a lot of especially what I say, is from stuff stuff I've gotten from. Some of it's hardcore, like some of the stuff I repeat, like the Nanai stuff is very much like more confirmed. But there's a lot of a lot of speculation from this period, a lot of tight lips, and not a lot gets said. Yeah, so keep keep that all in mind. Uh, there is a daily motion page that I have set up for a lot of these matches. It's not just all Japan women. Uh, retro stuff that I, I kind of have backed up of some some of the more uh, important and great matches. I'm also putting uh, putting up some of the more the better matches that we uh, have on here that can't be found on on say Ice Ribbon Service or anywhere else. They're just kind of on tapes and uh, they're very difficult to get a hold of and could be quite expensive at times. So uh, go check out Redley Frederick's Daily Motion if you want that. So let's get started with Ice Ribbon, our Golden Ribbon 2010 episode. And we'll start with the dojo show, Ice Ribbon 172, took place on April 3rd, 2010. It is Riho going for the title against Miyako Matsumoto, the Ice Cross 60 champion. The last time we saw these two, they had a very bad match. Riho is 13 years old. Yeah. Uh, Miyako is forever 20, as as she says herself. <laughs> she likes to believe that, yes. She likes to believe she is always 20 and will never age. Uh, since their encounter, Miyako has won the title and defended it and has been ducking Riho, but she can't duck her anymore. So that's where we're at here. And uh, Kay, what did you think of Riho's uh, winning of the title at 13? So, um, this match wasn't as bad as the first one. It was not. So props there. They Way definitely better. didn't try to do a whole lot. They worked within Miyako's limited, and I stress very limited, wheelhouse of skills. Um, Riho at 13 was much more talented than, I believe, 20-something-year-old Miyako Asumoto at this point. So, that much was obvious. It seemed like Riho was sort of guiding the match. Um, it was fun. The crowd is loving Miyako. Uh, I 
I think we made this reference before, but it reminds me so us both of Kimashiro modern day. Though I don't think she can get the fans to boo Sukas Fujimoto, so you know. Ups more for Yuki there, but uh I enjoyed the match for what it was, at least. Um I wasn't expecting a good match and Riho winning wasn't a shocker. Um especially because I feel like they were the, the Miyako thing was a experiment more so than it was a we want to um try to see if she's gonna be a major champion. I think it was trying to see if it would work or not. Clearly it did not. See, I'm of the mind that this was all part of the plan to get the title on Riho in the first place. And I think Miyako was the one to do it because she had at least somewhat fun credibility to her to take the title off of Tsukasa, beat Makoto to get credibility herself that she could get, you know, a good little run. And then it was all to drop the title to Riho in the first place. I can see that. I can see it being a bit of both, actually. I can see it being uh, the plan is to get on Riho. And depending on how good Miyako does, depends on how long her run is going to be. I think the fact that it wasn't very good was very much an abort mission sort of deal. Very possible. But yeah, Riho is uh, very much love from the crowd. Uh, it was a it was a fun time. Uh, I wouldn't put a star rating on this at all. And for those that are joining us for the first time or just listening, I go by the recommended star rating system. So no rating gets no star. Uh, one star is worth a watch, meaning you won't waste your time. Two stars gets a recommended, and three stars gets a highly recommended. Uh, I will also go with the no stars. Do not go out of your way. You don't have to, unless you really, really want to see Miyako. Unless you're crazy like Miyako. us. <laughs> yeah, unless you really want to see Miyako's first, uh, her first ma- her second match, I'm sorry, with Riho, and Riho is winning the belt. It's not really worth it, though, but if you want to, go ahead. It's there. Yeah, you can find this match on Ice Ribbon's Nico Pro channel in their archives. We move on to Shinjuku Face. It is Vader Time 5, the fifth produce from Vader himself. Uh, uh, well, in um, memory of... When did Vader pass away, actually? Wasn't it like last year or the year before no, 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 that? No. It, was very, it was very recently, I felt like. Let me just confirm this, because that actually... Uh, he died in 2018. So yes, this was definitely huh. by Vader. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely by Vader. It is Mio Shirai versus Io Shirai, and on this journey to date, <laughs> we have seen these two in action, but they're always in matches that are heavily clipped, and we only see them for like 60 seconds. So this at is best. our... At best. And this is our first real time we get to dig our teeth into who are both of these women how skilled they are and why do they have the reputation they do and compared to the ice ribbon that we've seen these two are vastly different breed of wrestler and animal uh, yeah so um i've seen early eo stuff before so I was very excited to get to actually talk about early EO, especially because recent times I've made the comparison of Suzu Suzuki to early EO. Um, I, I maintain from watching this match that, yes, EO Shirai was a prodigy generation talent. Um, you can see it all over this match. She just had a level of talent and athleticism to her that just was unmatched. Uh, a natural presence in the ring. She knew where to be, what to do, where to go. Almost like it was second nature. Uh, Mio, also not half bad. I, I gotta stress that Mio Shirai was also a very good wrestler. Um, her sister was just better, but this match was good. It was fun. 
Um, a lot of Io Shirai doing the washa jump to the tops and crazy Io Shirai dives. And you know, at this point, Io Shirai was a wild person getting into a lot of trouble. Yes. So Io Shirai and Mio Shirai, they have a physical match, to say the least. Uh, very stiff forearms. Uh, a, a lot of shit talking, especially from Mio. And a lot of heavy, landed in kicks. And it's not the safe back kicks that uh, I'm more familiar with in, say, the Ice Ribbon world with, like, Sukasa and Maya doing it. These are, like, big taps to the head, like wax, uh, that you really feel. And this dark, dim Shinjuku face arena really, really kind of laid it in even further. Um, Io Shirai is... She doesn't have the package totally together on what on how she wants to pace things out. Uh, that job was up to Mio. She was very much in charge of the match, while Io would uh, would it would all be set up for Io to do some sort of fantastical kind of top rope move, maybe a springboard here and there. And Mio does win the match. She's definitely not as good as Io Shirai, but uh, in terms of like being a ring general, um, to put a put a, a label on it. Uh, that's where Mio's strength lied to kind of keep this together. So this was extremely interesting, a lot more physical than I was expecting, and I'm definitely looking forward to diving f uh, further into uh, how these two uh, wrestlers develop and the paths that they take. Because uh, Triple right. Tails at this point is now formed with uh, yes, it just with started. Yeah, just started. And um, I'm not familiar with how long that lasts and when... Uh, Kana, Mio, and Io all kind of go their separate ways. Right, but I think you nailed it pretty well with the fact that so as much as I compare Io and Suzu, I think Suzu's got the full package together earlier than Io did. Io was wild and crazy, but really talented and athletic, but she just you said couldn't pace things, didn't know how to pace things. I think she would just oh, do other crazy stuff and that's where Mio came in. Um, Io Shirai is great, Mio is great, and as for Triple Tails, I don't think they last that long. As Triple Tails, that is. Mio and Kana last longer, but I do think Triple Tails only last like maybe a year. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I'm giving this match... I'm going to give it one star. I'd say it's worth checking out and you won't waste your time. I'm going to give it a two at the very least, since it's the first time we're covering Mio and Io, and I don't know if whoever's listening to this has never seen it, so I would like to recommend it to at least go out of your way to try to get your first taste of early Io and early Mio. So that's what I'll go with two with it. All right. So let's get into Ice Ribbon 180 Golden Ribbon 2010. Uh, it took place on May 3rd, 2010. Uh, Tokyo, Japan. Corican Hall, an attendance of 895 people. Uh, it was even live broadcast that day on Samurai TV. So this was a big show for Ice Ribbon. Uh, probably, I would say this is definitely even bigger than their uh, New Year Ribbon show that they ran at Shinkiba back in January that we covered on our second episode of this. Yeah, I think this is before they started doing Ribbon Mania. I want to say it was before they started doing Ribbon Mania, or before Mania became a big yearly show, right. I think. It's very early on. They weren't even doing their big Yokohama shows yet, so. So I did write down this this show. We we picked this because it has uh, quite the theme and structure to it, and it's all culminated in an. Uh, I'm going to spoil this now. An excellent 
three-star main event that I have I have uh, put my label on. I've put my stamp of approval. Uh, so when we get to the when we get to that match, that's going to spark. I feel a very interesting conversation. So I, I stress enough to stick around to the end. The show begins with a an elimination trios match. The teams are Hikari Minami, Sayaka Obihiro, and Sakushi, 12 years old, taking on and defeating the team of Hikaru Shida, Kurumi, not Hiragi Kurumi, she hasn't got the Hiragi yet, she's just Kurumi, and Minori Makiba. So, many of these people... 10 years old is how Kurumi is at this show. Kurumi is 10, and she looks every bit of it. She is tiny. (laughs) She is not the big monster she is today, that's for sure. And if you're guessing what our topic is, uh, it has something to do with the ages of these wrestlers. So there's a teaser there. The match goes nine minutes. Uh, Hikaru Shida's team goes up three to one, uh, eliminating Obihiro and Hikari Minami early. And then it's a, a Sakushi comeback where she eliminates Hikaru Shida and Karumi with the Harukaze. She's been pulling this shit off since she was 12. And Sakushi's basics were down at an early age, and so was Karumi's to an extent. Yeah, there's a reason why that um, after Emmy would leave at the end of this year, they were uh, Sukasa was so high on both of them. Like, she changed the rule for the title for Karumi. She wouldn't, so far as I want to push you, so I'm going to make it to where it's not a weight limit anymore. Here, I want you to challenge for the belt sort of deal. Um, it's a big deal. Both were very, very good very early. I mean, we even see how good they are now, so it shouldn't even be a shock at this point. Yeah, and if, uh, if you're a Gato Move Emi Sakura fan, Sayaka Obihiro probably uh, sticks out to you. Uh, maybe even... Um, uh, Minori Makiba, maybe she sticks out because I believe both of them uh, still wrestle and got to move to this day, or at least Sayaka Obihiro does. Uh, yeah, I think one of them, uh, the not Obihiro, the other one did. Uh, she hasn't wrestled in a while. I she think. at least followed Emmy to that direction because when Emmy Sakura leaves, uh, a lot of these names that you might be seeing on this journey uh, leave with her. <laughs> so. Uh, Obihiro is in her best Yumi Ogre cosplay, or um, as many might see, the AJW Speedo style gear. <laughs> she is she is definitely donning the Speedo of a different era at this point. Yeah, she looks like something straight out of the 80s. Uh, I, I, I got a kick out of that. A fun elimination match, and Sakushi and Kurumi were the big standouts. Better than Hikaru Shida. Go figure, Hikaru Shida is the biggest star of of them all at this point in time. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, she was the worst of the three. It's kind of funny looking at that. Hikaru Shida, worse than a 12-year-old and 10-year-old. It's, it's really funny. The match that followed was Hamako Hoshi teaming up with Kyoko Ichiki, taking on and defeating the team of Chi Tomiya and Masahiro Takanashi. Masahiro is, for all intents and purposes, a triple six wrestler. He's a guy that dresses... Uh, in a vast different amount of outfits. In this case, he's in uh, a dress and a pink wig. So there's some comedy there. 
Chitomi is 19 here, but she looks 14, at least because of her costume, at the very least, and she basically retires in 2017. I bring this up because I thought Chitomiya was really impressive, and she had a good look. She clearly had a good crowd connection. So, she is going to be someone I'm keeping my eye on, and I believe she follows Emi Sakura as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know if she... F I know she leaves, but I don't know if she followed Emmy as much as Obihiro and all of them did to Gato move. Yeah. Hamako Hoshi uh, pulled out some of her flirtatious techniques in this match to tease Masahiro Takanashi. So this is very much an ice ribbon match. <laughs> also, at this point, Hamako's in her 20s. Yeah, she is a, she is a young uh, fit woman. Uh, young fit mother that also is wrestling as right. we know. Yeah, Kyoko Ichiki is a stiff worker, remnants of the, of well, the uh, generation prior, to say the least. Just gives Tomia the stiffest double foot stomp ever in this match. Eventually ends it with a diving knee strike that also looks brutally stiff here as well. Uh, Hamako Hoshi, at the very least, does a top rope splash all the way across the ring almost. Uh, very cool to see her. Yes, you've heard it. You've heard me say something positive about the ham on this podcast. You best mark that down. You might not hear it ever again. <laughs> and what a week for you. You've said two positive things now oh about God. the ham. What's happening to me? This is embracing your Havoco fandom. I got you. So yeah, she told me I, I was, uh, she's going to be someone I'm keeping my eye on. She was, she was quite impressive at 19. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, this match was fun. Um, the guy in drag, I, I forget his name now. Uh, I have seen him in triple six. I think he even showed up in the, um, the triple six cross uh, ice ribbon show. Yes, the, he did. Two Chome one. They're, they're sort of off brand drag sort of deal. But that's fun. It's fun to see him. He's, he's, a, he's quite a character. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, a singles match. I wouldn't even call it a match followed. It is Emmy Fujino versus my Ichi. Actually, let's go back to Kyoko Ichiki. So I mentioned I mentioned she's a remnant of the generation prior. I I feel like I gotta explain what I mean by that. So in the and correct me if you feel differently, Kay, but from 2000 to 2009, there was kind of a shift in the way Joshi Wrestling was presented. And I'm not talking about JD Star. I'm talking about the rest of the scene where there was this incessant need to make it look more real. And you saw this in Noah as well with guys getting dropped on their heads all the time. Uh, uh, super strong style where there was almost shoot punches. And the Joshi wrestling world was harder forearms to the face, trying to bruise them up a little bit, laying it in. And Ichiki represents a lot of that. She has a, a tougher look, but her costume is kind of... I, I'm not familiar with her gear history, but it definitely reminded me of something you might see out of JD Star, getting a little idol look to you. Uh, but she definitely uh, wrestled like someone from that previous decade. So you hit on a very interesting point there, especially because we're going to still see some of that going through the early parts of the 2010s. Um, so that shift was more in response to the fact that um, if you trace back even to like the 90s, the focus of women's wrestling went from the athleticism to the sexuality of it to sort of sell more tickets. Right, yep. 
and the 2000s with the downturn, it sort of went from, you know, some of the big stars would have sexy photo shoots and you, they would have some so revealing outfits to an extent to just straight up gravier stuff. Like they're just in uh, next to nothing doing DVDs and some of them did nude photo books and stuff like that. And I think the style shifting was to make it taken more seriously because because things were so focused on the looks that people weren't taking the ser- scene seriously. So as a result, the scene, for the most part, uh, was trying to come off more like it's shoot style. So it's like, it's not all about our pretty looks. We do actually beat each other up. And I think that was an overcorrection to a uh, dangerous degree because we would see many careers not last very long because of that. People quitting, uh, just horrible looking pictures of people after matches. Uh, There's still Uh, injuries to, to an extent you kind of see this is where you see a, a stylistic major difference in ice ribbon to another promotion like stardom or and especially tokyo joshi pro ice ribbon is a much stiffer promotion but it works differently that's why you see uh, uh julia kind of seemingly laying things in a little bit more in stardom and it's pissing off the fan base to an extent yeah, so stardom early on was very stiff based and over time it's sort of switched to being more athletic based more kind of modern style men's wrestling almost based to an extent um and i think that was the sort of kick no some of punching, they ran some, which is very important <laughs> right right um i think the whole the scene as a whole has adopted the no punching thing and I think a lot of that, especially in stardom, was in response to the um, act incident. Yes, with well, well, when when that time comes, don't you worry. We'll we'll go into all of that, but that's not here, and it's not the yeah, yeah, uh, not yeah. the time yet. We're right. doing this chronologically think, as we go. Right, and I think Ice Ribbon is a perfect mesh of the old and the new. I think so Whereas as well. You see, you see, you see the stiff stuff, but you don't see it on every show. It's big shows only, right? You may see a few stiff kicks from Sukasa or Maya or Sakushi here on some of the smaller shows, but to keep the smaller shows more light fair to keep the wear and tear off the body more. And stardom is the opposite, I think. I think stardom's smaller shows, they still have a very go, go, go mentality, even when sort of even when they're taking it easy, it still seems like they're not. Um and I think that's why you see a lot of them taped up more than you see some of the ice ribbon girls taped up. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's wear and tear of the body. You're taking a beating. You tape yourself up. It's 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 sports. So right, right. TPW is very character focused. So the wrestling is gotten better, but it's still very much keeping itself light, which I like because I feel like it fits them more. Yeah. So let's move on. Emi Fujino versus Mai Ichi, a literal kickbox kickboxing match, and it goes to a draw. I have nothing to say over this. If you if you're a, a frequent listener of the Redleaf Retrocast, especially the New Japan Retro stuff, when the this uh, this shoot fighting stuff is mixed in, I've just seen so much of it. It has no interest. They try to make it into something of a no contest all the time. It's boring. It can fuck right off. And I think All Japan was doing it before New Japan was doing it because All Japan Women's was was trying to do this kickboxing thing, and it always came up kind of dirty and shady, like. Uh, this one came off less dirty and shady. It didn't feel like it was uh, siding with the wrestler all the time. Just so kind of make it seem like that. But it didn't fit anywhere in the card. And I'm almost wondering why Emmy put it there. I'm wondering if it just more had to do with the fact that it was on Samurai. And so early on, I think Samurai was focused more on combat sports at this point. 
because I think MMA was taking off a little bit more. So they felt like they needed to have one of these on there if it was going to air on Samurai. That's my thought, because I don't think they ever have any more of these. Not that I can recall, at least. I guess we'll find out. Tag match followed. Bambi. You'll be hearing that name here and there. And Munori Sawa defeat Makoto and Kota Ibushi. So much like Kenny Omega on a show prior against Natsuko Tayo. Here's Kota Ibushi with Makoto against Bambi. <laughs> yeah, this was very interesting because we had just watched Wrestle Kingdom before this. <laughs> <laughs> so it, is, and it was like, whoa. I mean, he looks the same. He, didn't, his look, he looks like the same now as he did back then. Um, he even wrestles the same, which is just odd given how much time has elapsed. But, uh, man, it's so weird seeing a wrestle in a match with Bambi. Jesus Christ. We're going we're gonna to talk about Bambi a lot, but Bambi does not get any better. I think this is about the best we're going to see her, but she gets really bad. She's a gimmick, and that's kind of what she is. She's another one from that previous generation uh, I just spoke about, because there's, there's, there's moments in here where she's not great, to say the least. Uh, she def- definitely lays in some moves, specifically her kind of flash magic uh, uh, kick, where you hear the kick pad connect with the head. And I yeah. vastly dislike that move. Yeah, I don't like it either. Um, People say they hate the like leg it's... slap. I say slap the shit out of that leg. I don't want to. I don't want to see. I don't want to see kicks getting laid into the head ever. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the leg slap because I feel like it does the same amount of effectiveness. And if you're a good enough wrestler, you're good enough at hiding when you're slapping your leg or when you're slapping your leg, so it's not obvious. Right. I think good examples are Mayu, Momo. They're pretty good at that. Shiri's pretty good at that. Aya as well, Tsukasa. So it's it's not it doesn't take away from the match room, but when you do an actual kick to the head, uh, I don't tend to like that either. It's very much like a damn, you want to give them a concussion sort of deal, but Ends with the times, I guess. Yeah. Ibushi Sawa stuff was very good. Uh, Minori Sawa is a uh, male wrestler. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's he's a very quick junior type wrestler. Uh, not as quick as Kota Ibushi, but good nonetheless. I really liked their interactions. That was cool. Makoti, the Makoto Bambi stuff, not so much. Because actually, I uh, think no. Makoto is a better wrestler. Just the difference is Bambi is the bigger star, and she likes to lay shit in and be part of that old generation. Right. I think that's interesting because we're going to start seeing the turn on Makoto here in a bit. I can start seeing it in this match, actually. I was like, oh, I'm reminded of, oh, yeah, Makoto doesn't. She gets kind of worse for a little bit there. I can see it a little in this match. So I wonder how far off we're from the, oh, Makoto sucks sort of era. Yeah, I don't think she sucks here, but I, you know, she cut this post-match promo uh, in the back, and she looked visibly upset. And maybe, maybe facing the this old generation is what got to her. You know, I'm just speculating, of course, but you know, you can put one and one together. I feel uh, to an extent, and just based on kind of what we know happens and where she goes, I'm leaning towards this theory currently. We'll see. I think it's a mixture of both. I don't. I think she gets hurt. I don't know if she spends time off, but I do know she had like a nagging leg injury for a while there. And I think that's what sort of sharpens her decline. 
we saw her get pinned by Mima Shimoda for no reason. So I think, you know, facing the old generation was very tiring. And there was a lot of the scene at the time, too. A lot of the younger wrestlers were not liking that. That's when you start seeing the clash between the generations yes. and stuff like that. Well, you see Bambi crack Makoto in the head here to get the winning pin. So Makoto is a pin eater on our poor Joshi through the 2010s journey right now. Poor Makoto. She's she's doing better for herself these days, so I don't feel too bad for her. I'm glad she's picked herself up. Neo high-speed title match. We got three matches left. Natsuka Tayo, the champion, taking on Tsukase Fujimoto. 16 minutes, 44 seconds. So, yes, I gave this match a nice one star. I thought about 2K, maybe even three, but I ended up at one star because this match was very rough. It was very rough uh, yeah, in a lot of yeah. spots. It was fun. I don't deny this. I do say it's worth a watch. Just because you see a veteran like Natsuka Tayo, who's developed quite the reputation at this point for being... Well, I mean, this title was basically made for her. And Tsukasa she Fujimoto... She champion. Yeah. And Tsukasa Fujimoto is getting better by the day. But in this match in particular, uh, wrestling a fast style uh, maybe isn't her strong suit. Uh and I must, not yet. Yeah, not yet. And I must say, women's wrestlers selling drop kicks, especially Joshi wrestlers, has become the new fun thing to pay attention to. Are they selling like Miyako Matsumoto in our first match on this episode? Like fainting? Arms in the air? Oh! Vapors! <laughs> they, oh, I got the vapors! Oh, I've been drop kicked! Oh! <laughs> it's very funny. It's a very funny look. Or is it going to be you get hit and then you kind of go the opposite direction and fall awkwardly to the side? Or is the dropkick being missed altogether? <laughs> and there were, a mixture of both. In Tsukasa's instance, she was either the, the one that would uh, <laughs> fall just inexplicably, or she would perform the dropkick and miss altogether. There was, there was a big, uh, big moment I, I recorded through a funny gif out there on my Twitter where Fujimoto uh no Tayo goes over the top kind of does a, a a lucha move over the top turnbuckle and then she stops in order for Sukasa to drop kick her but Sukasa just goes up and down and doesn't connect with Tayo <laughs> it's it really funny it was the best <laughs> um I'll say one thing so this is our first watch of the high speed title right um I was very curious because from what I know of Neo High Speed, this didn't come off the same as the normal. There was the, the high speed rules didn't seem to be in place as much. You know, the you have to win off of a speed move or a roll up. Um, the time limit being 10 minutes. Stuff like that. It's definitely didn't, over 10 minutes. There. <laughs> right. So I looked it up and I couldn't find a whole lot. So I kept looking into sort of match times. And so what seems to have happened was this belt, this belt was made in 2009. High Speed and Neo existed prior to that, but there was no title. When the belt was made, it started off as the same high speed rules, but going later into 20, not 2009, as they started declining a bit, you know, the company as a whole, in order to make the main event more exciting, they made the match, the belt, sort of, they got rid of the rules. So now it's just go fast, like it is kind of currently in startup right now. It's just go fast, go fast, go fast. And this belt was designed by Kana, correct? Yes, it was was designed by Kana and Tayo. Okay. For people who think it's just Kana, Kana helped to design it, but Tayo also had a hand in designing it. It was a two-person endeavor. There you go. 
So yeah, this was really fun. Tsukasa's Venus spin pin, I did not forget K, is still a very overprotected move. Uh, Ty, anytime uh, Taya was rolled up in it, she was uh, always near the ropes. So, Fujimoto was not able to win this high-speed title match. It was a great endeavor, but uh, the roughness of it kind of drops it down for me. So, give it one star. Right. Yeah, I'll give it one star as well. Also, I think I'll dub it the Venus Tornado. Ooh, okay. I think mine rolls off the tongue better. <laughs> I think Venus Tornado sounds cooler. It goes with the Venus shoot and the Venus clutch. I suppose you might be onto something there, but I will not concede quite yet. International Ribbon Tag Team Title Three-Way Match. The teams are... The champions, Nene Takahashi... Kazumi Shimoma, Gentaro, and Kaita Yano, a male tag team tandem of weirdness, to say the least. Uh, one is a kind of, he come, comes across as a dirtbag, and the other comes across as a pale weirdo. And the third team, not making this up, it is Miyako Matsumoto and death match legend Jun Kasai. <laughs> I am not shocked by this team. I'm just... This was fun. This was not a good match. This was a fun match. No, by all intents and purposes, this was a spectacle. And it was every bit of fun, as you can imagine. There was a pre-match video package of Miyako like, recruiting Jun Kasai, or them hitting off as friends, and they got matching, like, death metal shirts on, or whatever. It's, uh... It's definitely the highlight team that made this match what it was. Right. It's, it's like, I, I believe the conversation goes, at least I like to think it goes, is Miyako's like, I like being hit in the head and bleeding. You like being hit in the head and bleeding. Let's be a team. <laughs> I have it in my head where somehow they, they, they throw down some shots of sake and then they start talking about their sexual preferences. It's like, are you into missionary? That's not good enough for me. <laughs> Like glass in your back and sticks in your head before you do anything. Exactly. That's just, that's just, that's just warm up. <laughs> I need to see blood in order to get off. Like that kind of that kind of weird kinky shit. Uh, I, I need paid before I can go to floor play. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and uh, anyways, on to the match. Uh, instead of our weird fantasies about how Junkasai and Miyako Matsumoto talk to each other in bars. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> They're a team. Uh, Takahashi and Shimoma, uh, they play the role of kind of the, I guess, underdog champions, because let's face it, Miyako and Jun Kasai were the, were, were the focal point, and Gintaro yeah, and Kaito Yano were the scumbag heels in this match, always interfering in the fun spots, breaking out weapons, slapping Miyako, although you do notice that everyone is very gentle with Miyako Matsumoto, because she is... So much tinier than everybody in this match. And boy, fast forward to today, and boy, they're not gentle with her no more. No, she she wants it. She wants it hard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tell me I'm wrong, Kay. No, no, you're not wrong. I almost feel like she was probably she probably got mad at them backstage. I wanted you to hit me harder, but we didn't want the audience to hate us, probably was the response there. Um, I think Nanai and Shimoma, like, especially Shimoma, was like the person that was just get beat on the most 
Jesus Christ, they beat on her. <laughs> like she, I think she got almost all of the big spots happened to her. Not Nanai, if you notice. Oh yeah, Nanai. She she um they they took her out with a uh, pilmanizing her leg, and she was kind of backseat driving the whole match. Guess she's like, well, if I'm losing the title, I'm not I'm not taking the beating. Fuck this. Can't really blame her. And it didn't hurt the match at all because Miyako and Jun Kasai were entertaining AF. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, my my favorite my favorite visual of the entire match is the I believe Jun Kasai had somebody in the corner, and out of the corner of the camera, it was almost like I don't know if it was intentionally done this way with the camera work, but it was out of the corner comes Miyako running with a ladder over her, like a giant ladder over her small ass body as she runs into the ring with Oh it. yeah, she just <laughs> pops out of nowhere and it's like, tick, 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 I got the ladder! Ah! <laughs> it's really funny. There's a lot of funny visuals here. My favorite, part, my favorite part was uh, they have, I believe it was Gentaro on a table outside because they do a big long uh, section of this match uh, as walk and brawl. And Gintaro's on a table. Junkasai has put him on there. Miyako runs up the steps of Korokin, and she goes all the way to the upper balcony. But in her run up to the upper balcony, Gintaro and Kaitiano beat up Junkasai and throw him on the table. So Miyako gets to the balcony, teasing a balcony dive. <laughs> Just nonsense. And the crowd's like looking up going, what are you going to do? And then she sees Junkasai on the table, and she's like, no, wrong person. <laughs> I can't jump now. That's crazy. She goes all the way back down. They beat him up and uh, they do a walk and they continue the walk and brawl and two tables are brought up the steps of cork into the to the uh, entryway where maybe if you've seen some some uh, pictures and videos of Yoshirai doing back moonsaults uh, off this thing onto people. Uh, well, they set up two tables and Junkasai and Miyako do a double body splash uh, off that tiny balcony entry area onto the table. Crowd is just going nuts for all of this. They adore this match. I was never not entertained. There was a scary little spot, though, uh, closer to the end where Miyako does kind of a spider German to, I believe it was Kaitiano, and a chair is set up, and he just hits his head right first on the chair, uh, chair seat and falls to the floor and Miyako's then kind of awkwardly stuck in the corner as well and they kind of and Nene's like oh, I'm gonna beat the shit out of her now yeah um there were a few spots like you said that were very uh I think a lot of them involved Miyako it's like me I think Miyako tried to do a little bit too much and I think a lot of them were trying to slow her down <laughs> that's how it came across to me at least um the table spots was funny um I like how they stay go from showing both of them at the entrance uh, area to jumping on the table to just showing Junkasai do it. So I thought that was funny. I laughed also, just one last quip. I laughed also at Miyako constantly wanting to do her her uh, showmanship shtick where she like uh, does the ballet kind of poses and Junkasai is copying her. But She's not, like, telling him what moves to do, what poses. So he keeps messing up, and then she gets mad at him, and the crowd laughs hysterically every time. <laughs> it was the best. Uh, she kept getting mad at him, and he's like, what do you want me to do? It was great. I, I loved this match. Every bit of it was great. Um, so they won. They won with the tag belts at the end, which was kind of... I don't think it was a shocker, really, when you look at how the match was... Like, who was being focused on the pre-match promo stuff. 
so yeah june kasai hits his his uh his uh tiger driver thing finisher on shimoma and then miyako does two big ballet poses and her dumb little splash and she gets the pin of all things miyako matsumoto former infinity cross uh, uh 60 champion and now international tag champion she is and boy she is the most decorated person tied with Nate takahashi on our journey oh i think if you look at the history miyako's held every belt outside of the fantastic belt <laughs> saying <laughs> I think we're saying that Miyako Matsumoto is better than uh, Nene Takahashi. I mean, you could say that. I wouldn't say that to Nene's face, though. I feel like I don't want to see the other end of that. I think it's safe to say I won't have to worry about saying anything in front of Nene Takahashi's face anytime soon. (laughs) Right. But if I do get the chance, I will say I like Miyako Matsumoto more, and I think she's better than you. She makes me laugh. You don't make me laugh. (laughs) I'll just say, Nene Senpai, please teach me your ways. Don't hurt me. Main event time at this big, big Corkin Hall. It is the champion Riho defending against her teacher, Emi Sakura, who had to drop weight because of the weight limit with the Ice Cross 60 championship. She dropped, uh, I believe I read 10 kilos, 20 pounds. Yeah, it's... um. So early on, and I don't know why she she probably had a reason. I don't know if she ever gave the reason why she made the main belt have a weight limit when no other belt has a weight limit. It's very interesting, but uh, she did have to lose weight. She went from 80 kilos to 60. Oof. So, you know, I Emi mean, Sakura even back then was having issues getting down to weight, as it seems like she is also having the same issues these days as well. It's more to a joke now than it was back then, but you know. So I gave that tag match two stars, by the way. It was that much fun. I'll give it three. Go watch it. It's fun. So this match was really good. And I know what you're going to say, Kay. Riho already had basics down. She knew basically how to run with the match. And Emi Sakura is really fucking good. She's a really good wrestler. She's a veteran. She knows what she's doing. So it may not have surprised you, but when I kind of Did put, not. when I kind when I just, even though I know that the environment this is in, this is Cork and Hall main event in 2010. Riho is 13 years old, a champion coming into this thing. She is main eventing. Meanwhile, you have like Nene, uh, uh, a, uh, a veteran herself, main eventer, in the semi-main, Miyako Matsumoto's winning. Tsukasa Fujimoto is third from the top. Kota Ibushi's in the mid-card. <laughs> so, I wouldn't get too hung up on the weather card struck shit back there, just saying. No, I will not. No, this is, this is a fact. I must bring this up. Because when you put all this together, you put the environment together, you put this as a main event champion coming into the biggest match of your life, no question. This is no question her biggest match of her life. And she's 13. Up against this point, yes, sir. Up against her teacher on a big stage. Do you know how easy it would be to just mess up maybe one time and then panic? Or because I've seen so many wrestling matches of got of people of different ages, veterans. They mess up one move, the match just falls apart. 
someone gets hurt, they don't know what to do, whatever it may be. This match just shook me on, and gave me so many questions and, and left such an impression on me that it brings up an interesting concept of who to push when and maybe how old they are. Because you always, I mean, we constantly hear this, whether it's podcast or journalism or wrestling fans, oldest person's too young, needs more seasoning, whatever it may be. And it's matches like this where it just debunks all of that. It, it, I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit on the other side with this. So I, I think this match was very, very good, very excellent. I, I do think, because we saw her with Miyako and stuff like that in matches that weren't as good as this, I think this is an outlier match simply because, one, Emmy taught her. Two, they have so much chemistry because they've been around each other and have wrestled each other for so long at this point. I don't think that they're capable of having a bad match together because they're so familiar with one another. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And I think, so for me, for me, right, this is my, my watching. I knew this match was good because I've already seen this. And oh, I okay. knew that they've had several <laughs> other good matches after this, right, together. But Riho, outside of this environment, even at 13, was it this level good? It's because she was in there with somebody who she is so intunely familiar with that she has been wrestling since she's at least nine. I mean, we spoke I, about the Miyako match earlier. Think, it was better than the first time. Like, Sure, sure, but I wouldn't put that entirely in the same category with this. I wouldn't even put that all on the fact that Riho is some prodigy-level wrestler. I didn't say that. I I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you say that. I'm just sort of. I think at this point, because if you put Riho in the ring with somebody like I don't know, if she put a whiff with an Ai Takahashi, it would have been as good of a match because they're not as familiar, and it would require Riho to do more outside of her limits. Whereas Emmy knows Riho's limits, and Riho knows Emmy well enough. They've wrestled each other for years at this point. They've trained her. She's lived with Emmy, I think, at this point. She was starting to live with Emmy a little bit. Um, she would say at least at the summertime, she would stay with her, right? So they're so familiar with each other. It's kind of like, it's like the, the mentor and the student can't be bad together because they're so intunely familiar with one another. It's impossible for them to do anything bad. Riho is not going to freak out if she messes up because she knows Emmy's there. Emmy's there to help her. Well, that's good, that tru so that's good trust out. in your dance partner, basically. Sure, sure. And I think that's why this match was so good. And I think... Um, I, if I if I may, I think because you've seen them in AEW wrestle. Yes, right? I saw that I match live. Yes, yes, and I I think you're thinking that this has always been the case for Riho. Riho has always been that level of good, and I don't. It's not been the case all the time. Riho has been this good with Emmy all the time because they're so familiar with one another. We'll we'll see we'll see later on that Riho is going to have some some duds, some very. Well, big I mean, duds. she already had one again with Miyako Matsumoto. Right, she's still a, a a child, and I think the reason why she's able to do this with Emmy is because, like I said, she's so familiar with Emmy, and Emmy's almost got like mother to her. So it's not she has trust in her implicitly. She knows that if she messes up, Emmy's going to be there to to help pick her up and make it not bad. So she's not freaking out. She doesn't feel like she's alone in the match. Whereas I think if she when she goes with other people, she does feel like she's alone because she's not as familiar. Maybe a little bit less with Miyako because she's training in the same dojo with her. I think when you see her seeing her wrestle people outside 
of this bubble, which we'll start seeing soon when they when they leave. We'll start seeing some of the the sort of she's a child still. She's not entirely ready for the spotlight. Still really fascinated me with how good this match was. Uh, relationship or not aside, the the expectation of a Cork and Hall main event is there nonetheless. And 13 years old just fascinates me with how this turned out. So I gave this three stars. It was an incredible match. It flowed so well. The near falls were excellent. Uh, you could have bought anyone winning at any point in time. Riho's uh, roll-ups were great. And yes, I do put a lot of this on Emi Sakura. Don't get me wrong. A lot of this is on her. She is would have to, yeah. very good. But I don't discount Riho because you need no matter what, there's two people in the ring, and they both need to pro, they both need to do their roles and do it well. And that's what happened here. Emi Sakura is just such a such a consummate professional in knowing what to do, when and how, and the pace of it all. To do this with a 13-year-old is also impressive in its own right, whether they've faced each other a thousand times or twice. Again, I don't think I'm... Like I said, I'm not as shocked by this at all. I've seen this match. I've seen their other matches. They always have this level of quality to them, so I'm not shocked. Um, yeah, this is my I, first I, time I, seeing this, and it was... It's, right. When, when I... It, you know, we're going to see this this match happen more. Hell, I've seen it, I've seen it live, right? Right. And I think the reason why I have such a different look on it is because I know sort of like doing research for the episode on my ice ribbon episode, I found so much more on why these two are so close and why things are the way they are with these two. That actually when I when, you know, like looking at it now, I'm kind of shocked that Riho even flew the nest. Because she was so close to, to Emmy. They were like family. Right. It shocks me that she would leave it because I almost would wonder if she would feel comfortable well, that, outside of that environment. Well, that cuts back to that AEW match. Uh, they're they're at a major American pay per view in a sold out arena. Over ten thousand people are there. You know, the largest they've ever been in front of. And Riho's very calm and collective. She's been taught well, and Emmy Soccer is in tears, just looking around at the arena. You have to see this match, Kay. I mean, you keep telling me that. I need to see it. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you have to. You have to see this match. Like it's it's like a culmination of a decade long journey between these two people. Right. The- I think it's the, big, the biggest uh, audience Emmy had been in in the states. I don't think she'd ever wrestled in the states. Or if she had, it was small audiences, so that was a big deal for her. Right, and it's just it's. it's- and they did a, a small video package, and I I'm still very sour at AEW for not tackling this the way they should have because they really just did a small video package just telling us about the student teacher relationship from a very bare bones aspect if they could have just gone over the story of these two at a deeper level that would have that that emotional connection would have just done so much more and presented such a different product than the Western audience has been exposed to. And what I got out of this match of this Corkin match is something along the lines of, of just an emotional awe of, of what, what I saw. This is my, this is the first big match I've seen these two 
these two in this far back. Right. I think it's actually the first big match these two have had this far back, at least on this the scale. The first match, obviously, but I I'll say this because I don't know. I've not seen the AW match, but if they didn't ask Emmy for the very least Gato move footage, which she would have probably had no issue providing. Ice Ruben footage I could understand because she probably doesn't own that. They could have asked for a Gato move footage of them. I, There's so I much. I think more I recall them showing Gato move in the video package. Okay, because the way you made it sound, it's not like they did the barest, the bare bones about it, which I think would be kind of a, I'd take a little bit of offense to that as well, because I know their history, and I feel like it would be, like, why not present that front and center, especially because it's such a different take. It's it's almost like stuff you see in the movies over here, as opposed yeah. to what is over there, where it's, it's kind of normal to an extent to some of some of the wrestlers. Um, I do think that you probably want to lead into a more interesting topic with the children wrestlers, I'm assuming. Well, I want to lean into uh, just mentioning that the way this card is put together, the way the uh, different ages and styles and presentation to it all, this is Gato Move. Yes, it very much is. It's the sort of style of card that Emmy plays. That's why I said don't put too much stock on how the card's structured. Emmy just seems to have a fun card put all the fun matches and all the serious matches and mix them up so it's not all one-sided um that seems to be her philosophy it looks like yeah it's like serious match fun match serious match fun match sort of deal and not much has changed in the structure even in modern day ice ribbon maybe a little bit little tweaks here and there on on the like they're not doing fucking shoot kickboxing matches in the mid card but (laughs) you know what i mean right I i think as much as emmy leaves i do think Ice Ribbon still holds her sort of spirit and what she put into it. I and agree. I think even even if whatever circumstances, whether they be bitter or not, between the two, between Sukasa and Emmy or Ice Ribbon and Emmy, I think that there's still some level of like respect and held on to what she put into it. But we're seeing the Be Happy Pro Wrestling tagline still used at this point. They're not saying it, I don't think, out and out, but it's on banners if you look at it in the backgrounds oh, of yeah. some of these shows. So I do want to mention and bring up the topic, which I think is very interesting, is the modern concept of child wrestling development. We've 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 seen on this card many children: Riho thirteen, Sakushi twelve, Kurumi ten. Uh, the list goes on, right? Right. Okay. Explain to the audience listening what modern day ice ribbon. Uh, does with a school so at this point because i feel like the context is kind of needed yes at this point emmy is bringing in children and they'll go through the the what's called the wrestling circles which is they still do today which are they start as free classes you i think you get the first couple lessons free um they're more for hobbyists right to kind of teach you the basics of wrestling and then you can pay for the classes and if you want to get serious they'll put you into the actual wrestling courses and train you to be a professional. That's sort of how they get most of the wrestlers through the system. Now, the difference between back then at this point and now current day with how Tsukasa and Tsukushi and all of them handle the dojo is at this point, say you're eight or nine and you want to be a pro wrestler. And you're like, sure, why not? Now they don't do that. Anymore. Which she now it still does in Gato move. Yes. Yeah, so there's been... Not necessarily a shift, but I want to say there's more of a shift in the age limit for wrestlers. Now, granted, it's not always been the child star wrestler thing. Uh, Emmy, I think, was the very big pioneer in that because a lot of the other promotions did not do this. 
Um, you couldn't even debut at 16 in some promotions. They made it 18 mandatory. Right. Um, it's because they knew how the scene was. And you're 16, you can't do grab your shoots was also a mentality. Um, so it wasn't all you know nice and sunshine with trying to protect them. It was more, right. well, we can't make the kind of money off of you either. But luckily, Ice Ribbon um, wasn't that environment. No, no. They would dip their toe into it when Emmy leaves. But that would be primarily with Sukasa and Shida and Risa Sarah and stuff like that. Right, the older the, people. The adults. Yeah. The adults, yeah. Um, I think Stardom dipped their toes in it briefly as well. I think Azumi's kind of... Azumi's a like kid with the two from that. Uh, I think Azumi passed her protest at like 9 or 10, but wasn't allowed to debut until she was like 14. Um, Still like kid started at 15. But they're also not doing that anymore. I think the fact that it took them longer to sort of next the teenagers it took Bushiroad buying them from the next the 13 year olds can wrestle deal as you see with Hina and Rina and uh, Hanan earlier before that and Ruaka currently I there's a weird stigma with it and there's also a weird thing it's like these are kids so you're putting them in an environment where sure they're being protected but they're also being exposed in front of a lot of people uh, and they're doing wrestling moves that could damage them or life sometimes and I think the fact that Ice Ribbon took a different stance after Emmy left on it is because of stuff like that. They recognized there's a risk. There's there's sort of a, a level of exposure that a child th- doesn't need to have at that point, right? You're you're pretty much taking a child and having them wrestle, and then they're going to go to the booth, and sure, there'll be adults around them, but they're shaking hands and doing autographs. That's not the sort of environment you want a child in. And- Correct. I think it's smart that it changed. And I kind of wish Emmy would would go more away from it because it didn't seem like she entirely is abandoned it. If you see with people like Rin Rin, who started at like 15 or something, I, I wish she'd go away from it personally. So the wrestling circle that Ice Ribbon has now, I compare it to because, uh, and this is for sake of conversation and, and, uh, uh, contextualizing everything let's say i want to take up bowling or basketball okay and i am 10 years old okay all right bowling and basketball do damage to your body at 10 years old correct Uh, yes as any sport would okay i have i have uh severely bruised things i have i have uh, broken my ribs before when i was young so there's wear and tear at a young age. Now, does wrestling also do damage to your body? Yes. Where my understanding of the wrestling circle is, you're not doing top rope moonsaults if you join this thing at 10, 12 years old. Correct? No, no, no. According to Yappy, you're doing the basics of basics. So, headlocks, maybe a scoop slam at the advanced levels. Those so, are like the paint more classes. But you're doing drop kicks. You're doing small things. Yes. So, the way that it's described is essentially no different really than joining like your junior high high school wrestling team. Uh, actually, I would say a little bit less than that. It's like join, joining a rec sort of gymnastics thing where there's a bunch of crash pads around you, especially yes, when you're younger. There, that, that's that's a, an apt example as well. Now, the worry, especially after what happened in 2020 with the speaking out movement, with teachers and whatnot taking advantage of students and, and abuse of power, right? I, 
is there a worry that your te these teachers in what we know of the wrestling world to uh to to be filled with scumbags is that safe and with the environment here emi sakura has provided or in modern case sukasa and sukushi in the dojo has provided in a wrestling circle i say yes it is a very safe environment they have they make sure it's safe they, they make sure it's safe. They, it safe yeah it, it is to me that is an equivalent example of like a, a taekwondo class a wrestling um uh, high school wrestling class with uh, uh, uh certified safe teachers you get the idea where i'm driving at and then there's a hard right. hard rule that if you want to become a professional then you have to meet the minimum age. This all sounds like a great idea, and it gets people interested in professional wrestling at a young age. I think this is good. Now, do you have to be very careful and very wary over the scene and people taking advantage? This is everywhere. Let's let's be let's be real. Adults are talking. Like there's shitbags at my high school and teachers that took advantage of you like the world's not a safe place let's be honest no, no matter no, where no you matter are what country you're in yeah i will say this about ice ribbon on, a, on the sort of safety note so um the age for debut is 16 as we saw with asahi and suzu right. however they don't allow you to have a social media account until you are 18 and then they apparently they take you take you aside and coach you on it a little bit that's good. And tell you if you have any issues, any problems, come to them. Ice Ribbon's environment is very much safe, open, and inclusive. And I think that's why I think there's a healthier culture there, whereas I'll pivot to stardom. Now, granted, it's changed since Mushro took over, which is for the best in this regard. Um, you would have... Uh, he, Hanan wasn't a photo book, a, a bikini photo book just two or three years ago. That's not an environment you want to put a kid in. That is not a good environment. Um, Momo and, at 16 was in a photo book with bikinis and stuff. That was a thing that they did for way too long. The point where I think questions are, had been raised forever about it. And we saw it over here. And even over there, I think it would drove away a lot of people from wanting to sign up as up frequently to, to wrestle. A lot yeah. of women probably didn't want to be there. Or, you know, in some cases they bring their kids to like the, the dojo classes they would have there, which are kind of like the wrestling circles. They call them workshops over in stardom mm -hmm. um but they wouldn't let them debut they would not let them go further than that i think we saw that with a few of the kids that we would see in some of the photos that would pop up from the the training sessions over there you see a lot of them not go anywhere they'll, they'll disappear over time stuff like that i think a lot of that environment had a lot to do with that so i found that uh an interesting uh thought topic with because we've seen the positive of it and we've seen the negative of it. The positive is in Ice Ribbon. The negative is what stardom used to be. And much of the scene, let's be honest. And we, we've spoken about in the past how a lot of the scene, because it's not making a lot of money, you can't really make a living off it, uh, went to the uh, sketchy photo books and the gravier shoots and you name it. So what right. Ice like Ribbon is doing separate from the scene is very interesting and groundbreaking groundbreaking and a lot of this started with emmy sakura yeah and i think so when we hit the point where emmy leaves which we'll be hitting at the end of 2010s i believe uh we'll see the pivot 
I believe there's a, a significant pivot in mindset. It's almost noticeable at times if memory right. serves. So I, I think that's for the best. Um, when did again, the new I, owner take over in Ice Ribbon, or has it always been the same one? Uh, Neo Plus bought Ice Ribbon in 2008. Okay. So they've owned them for at least two years at this point. Okay. Uh, so, Neo Plus is a small company, and they're very hands-off. But I think... Uh, there's a lot of speculation that Emmy didn't like the fact that she had to sell the company. Right, I was, I was kind so, of, I was kind of going in that direction. Uh, there was right. just some uh, uh, issues with ownership, and that led to the split. That's all. That's very much all conjecture. I could not confirm if that was true, and and everyone's super tight lipped on it. Never, it's very hard to confirm. Yeah, there's, there's, there's been, there's been only two rumors I've heard on the on the matter. The ownership one I put less stock in because Neo Plus has always, always been very hands off. They're not like Bushiro Except with when Yako Matsumoto is involved. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, where the president will send a group message out to everybody. Hey, please stop jumping off of balconies. It's dangerous. <laughs> I still love that. It's like it's like the most wholesome. Because if you see their president, he's like he's a wholesome old man that just wants to do good by all of them and does the goes out of his way for all of them. <laughs> and so him to send a warning dad sort of text message, please don't jump off high things. It's dangerous. Uh, it's very heartwarming, I think. Um, as for uh neo plus owning them i don't think that had i think the fact that emmy didn't have control over the company's finances was probably might be what bothered her because she probably was restricted to what she was allowed to spend that could be it um i put a little bit more stock on the potential uh sukasa and because it kind of came around the time that they did the sendai partnerships and it seems like um sukasa extent was trying to help book things differently behind her back now that's very very much conjecture and really the only thing you have to go off of is a single line emmy said in an interview that was very vague something to the effect of uh not liking how younger the younger generations going goes behind the older generation's back she never specified and there was a lot of that happening at the time with kana so that could be very much what they were talking she was talking about nobody knows really so I think that does it for this special episode. I liked what we talked about here today. I like the card. Uh, I will be posting on Patreon a uh, a rough uh, ma- uh, match schedule, I guess, of, of at least what matches we'll be covering in 2010, the year. And then as we uh, make, make our match listings, uh, I will post the, the full year's what we have and you can kind of give your inputs if there's any like must-see matches you'd like to see us cover uh comment on the patreon at redleaf retrocast dollar 50 tier is where all this is available uh you will be i'm gonna try to i i I believe there's a way i can get this set up where you don't even have to be um a paid subscriber to see uh the match listings that we'll have so head on over to the redleaf retrocast patreon join or not uh, we'd prefer you to join, obviously. <laughs> and if you're listening right. to this two weeks later on the Big Egg Joshi, I think Kay, we got to thank them, and we'll see them next yes. time, eh? Yes, yes, thank you. See you guys next time.